The Beauty Biz, brought to you by serial entrepreneur and aesthetic clinic chain founder, Esther Fieldgrass. Your regular insider peek into the beauty and wellness industry. Hello all, Esther here. Welcome back to The Beauty Biz, your sneak peek into the wonderful world of wellness, beauty and aesthetics. I'm so excited to have today's guests with me. We are lucky enough to be talking to celebrity facialist and one of the beauty industry's most respected experts, Abigail James. Hi, Abigail. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, I know you've just come back from your holes. Oh, oh, it's been an amazing trip, but I am so excited to be here, Esther. So give us a bit of background on yourself. Tell us, how did you begin your journey into beauty? So it wasn't my first choice, actually. I wanted to be a jewellery designer. Similar? Um, <laughs> similar, creative, maybe. Um, but I, my father was very traditional and he said I was going into the family food business. So that's actually what I ended up doing. So I joined the family food business, frozen fish, poultry, um, you know, studied business. And as I know, Esther, you're laughing. I, used my... I was going to ask, did you practice on, on the, the fish and the poultry? <laughs> some, some, yes, some uh, rubbing things into meat kind of um, <laughs> techniques. Um, so no, actually my summer holidays as a, as a teenager, I was working in a factory packing frozen fish. It's not glamorous at all. <laughs> Um, but I got married at a very young age. I was 22 when I got married. I had my daughter when I was 23. And my father, being very traditional, was very much, you know, there is your new life as a family person. Um, I had severe postnatal depression and I had to do something. I'd got a very good friend at the time who was a therapist and I just loved what she did. She used to come around and do treatments on me. And I thought this this is something I, I kind of resonate with. So I ended up taking myself to night school two nights a week for two years, then with two very young children and learnt beauty therapy. So that's where this particular journey started. So that was probably about the age of 25. I'm now 43. So that's a few years having been in the industry now. Wow. I mean, I started very similarly after I started my first business and I decided I wanted to get into beauty because I had hairdressing salons. I went back to study beauty and I did a, a night course as well. Okay. Work during the day, study at night. Yep. Yeah, us girls, we work hard. We do. So I know what my average day looks like, but as a mother and a working woman and running your own business, what does your day look like? It's do you know, each day is very varied. Um, my three children, they're all a little bit older now. So I'm not running around quite so much with the school run. They still need feeding and kind of, you know, the parenting is still there. My days in treatment, um, I will be up at, say, 6.30. We've got a little dog that needs walking and feeding. Uh, I commute into town. I'm slightly out of town, the other side of Richmond. Then I've, you know, got a day of clients that might be five, six, seven clients across a day. I don't always give myself a lunch break when I'm doing a treatment day. I know I should, uh, but I think as a therapist, we're always, you know, it's still in us to kind of, we're, we're there for others. Um, and because of the nature of my type of work, I might not finish until eight o'clock. So it can be a treatment day, can be a really long day and then commute home, maybe cook for the kids, you know, sort them out, catch up on emails. And I'm always into bed really early, but that's a treatment day. Um, you know, I do speaking, writing, lots of other things on other days. 
and ambassador work for other brands. And though day, th there's not an average day, it really varies. So, um, yeah, so it, you know, an average day doesn't often happen. Okay. So, how many days do you physically in the, in your beauty rooms? It varies. It could be three days a week. It could be five days a week. It really varies across a week. And obviously, as you know, that sneaks into evenings and weekends. Yeah. 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 And I know you're often not here. You're traveling with your work, which is amazing. Yeah. So that does add a different dimension. I do ambassador roles for brands. Um, I'm currently an ambassador, a global ambassador for Rituals, and they have stores all over the world. So part of that, they will fly me to one of their countries that they you know they've got a presence i might speak at an event run some events for bloggers uh do treatments on press in that country uh, and then i fly back and then i'll be straight into my treatments you know the the next day so but this um this year i think i'm doing seven countries for them in quite a short space of time i know i know this is a bit off what we were discussing but what is there something special about rituals that you particularly like so when i do a collaboration with a brand for me, the ethics of a brand is essential. You know, it's my reputation. I've got some quite strong ethics that I personally hold, uh, whether that's about the product or how a business is run. So with Rituals specifically, they've got such a holistic way of not just developing their products, but also how they treat their staff and the customer. It's, you know, it's above and beyond. Um, they particularly redeveloped all of their skincare. What what they'd got, they shelved, and this is what I skincare I call for face, um, and redeveloped. I think thirty six new SKUs naturally, uh, which for a brand to do that, that was obviously a huge investment and a huge undertaking. Um, and I, I loved that what what they did, and I think the natural sphere. I feel that there was a gap of developing something that stands up with luxury and natural at an affordable price. So that's why when they approached me, you know, it took, do you know, it didn't take much convincing, but when they were presenting to me, I just thought, I love this ethos. This, this is something that resonates with me. Fantastic. I'll have to come and try it. So sweetheart, your career spans what, two decades, three decades? Yeah, it's kind of, 20 odd years. Yeah. So in this time, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? So as you might appreciate, you know, throughout careers, whatever career you're in, we come across people that might be a little bit more tricky than others, whether that's Never. business, <laughs> whether that's business or customer or, you know, situations that we have to kind of dig deep and bite our tongue with. Um, something that, that was told to me and it, it sounds severe, but it's really not. And it's a reminder. It, it's kill them with kindness. You know, we all might be dealing with our own issues. Someone might snap at you or send a feisty email or demand something of you. And we never know what that person is dealing with. So I could very easily respond with the same anger or um, emotion. But I always have that mental kill them with kindness and sometimes when you throw that kindness back it diffuses and softens things um and that that's something that you know we've all had tricky situations that has served me well throughout throughout my career so that is the abigail james philosophy kill everyone with kindness <laughs> be kind be kind <laughs> be loving so having said be kind be loving 
What would you say to your 18-year-old self looking back? Jeez, I was I was a handful at 18. Um, <laughs> I really was. I, you know, I wasn't particularly into looking after myself. Um, you know, I, I like to party. I always had to be that last man standing. Yeah, I've been out with you. <laughs> and I've, I've seen her dancing, guys. Yeah, <laughs> boogieing the night away. Um, so I'd probably say, um, I'd say go and explore, actually. I never had the traveling bug or, you know, I got married at a very young age. Mm -hmm. I had quite a religious controlled upbringing and I don't think the world was opened up to me whereas now I would happily travel around the world and experience things and take in life and different cultures and I, I wish I'd have been able to do more of that at a younger age you know we, we, we spend a lifetime adulting or parenting and then suddenly those things aren't as easy to be able to do so I, I think that's the one thing yeah amazing so let's get back to the industry for a minute what are the biggest changes you've seen in the industry? I mean, this decade, almost decade, but I mean, last couple of years even. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, as you say, literally the past two, three, four years, it's changing immensely. And I feel that each year on year that that's increasing. Um, I think the skincare before it was always seen as a, as a luxury. Uh, as a treat, as a as something like that. Whereas now I think it is becoming more accessible, more, you know, people are willing to invest more in themselves. I think the technology and safe technology has advanced immensely. You know, so previously there's technology that for me as a, you know, having done my beauty training and come into the industry from that point of view would never have been available to me. It would have always been dermatologist. The line is blurring, um, which is a good thing. I think the technology is safer. Um, but again, I think that comes with risks, not having well-trained therapists, you know, so I know that line is becoming blurred, but I, you know, I think as an industry, we've got a big responsibility to maintain that quality. Um, I think, you know, a little bit like maybe when, you know, years ago when we did a beauty training, I, I was also doing nails, tanning, <laughs> whack the full, the full shebang. Back then we were all beauty therapists and then there was a break off of suddenly you're a nail technician and then there's a nail bar on every street corner you know I think another break off has been a facialist that word didn't exist when I when I did my training um and you know I think now having facial bars you know that are cropping up it's making it more accessible you know I'm a little bit whether the quality is there and I, I think when you're that. working with skin and face and you know ingredients and technology it's very different to a nail bar I think you really need the quality of the therapists and the skill which makes that break off I don't know a little bit more of a gray area as to whether that quality is going to maintain yeah I, I totally agree with you yeah. you know I, I mm. Even even today, with the girls coming out with NVQ three, NVQ four, so that you know a reasonably high standard, you know I still have my trainers go back and do the anatomy of the skin and retrain the girls on what they're actually doing, what is the substance of the skin, and what they what's happening when they're putting peels and other things on the skin or using mesotherapy within the skin. 
think you know, that's essential. You know, but I, there's a lot of people out there that just pick up a piece of equipment and go for it without realising what they're doing. And that is a worry. I mean, the other big thing is there's nothing, you know, I, I've trained in peels numerous times with different brands yep. you know it's a continual thing and you'll even find that each brand or strength or whatever will respond differently to a person's skin and dependent on that skin so even though you might have the qualification I'm still learning from my clients and there's nothing like the clinical hours actually being in treatment to kind of keep building on that skill so you know I I, I think we've got a responsibility to keep educating as well and keeping current yeah educating is a great word it's something that i'm constantly talking yeah so i know you're really busy at the minute and you're about to fly off how do you juggle it all (laughs) well sometimes the wheels fall off to be honest (laughs) they totally do um you know my youngest child is now 13 Mm -hmm. for years you know i've I've been a single mum i've lived as a single parent for 11 years so the juggle has very much been me juggling that with the three children um and it was a lot more intense when they were younger but I'm very much about wellness as well as the kind of aesthetics and things and I I ended up doing my yoga teacher training two years ago I have previously suffered you know I mentioned postnatal depression I've had that twice um anxiety all of those kind of things so i'm very conscious of my personal limitations and trying to manage that but i think as a therapist we're natural people pleasers you know we want to be helping others and i it's a constant reminder i have to do to put myself back on the to-do list but i do do yoga i like walking the dog i like going to the gym um, you know, I, those kind of things uh, are the ways that I try and manage. And also get, getting out of the city. You know, I love London, love it to pieces, but I, I also feel taking yourself out of it, even to the countryside, it doesn't have to be on a plane, can be thera- therapy in itself. Having hmm. started off in hairdressing, where I used to sta- sit behind the chair or stand behind the chair, and I would, at the end of the day, have absorbed everybody else's problems you know, so you get, kind of get that burnout feeling because you're absorbing it. At least when people are having facials, they lie there quietly. And I used to love that. Well, interestingly, a lot of my clients who've been with me for years, they all, they don't lie there quietly. Oh, they matter. It's a oh. real, yeah, it's a real mix. And I'm very much, I go with what that client's kind of, you know, you, you get a vibe for what they're after. Some of them, or, or on a particular day, they don't want to say much. Others... They want to be chatty. Um, so, yeah, no, unfortunately, not unfortunately, um, I find it's a relationship that you build up. And sometimes they want to come in and ask what you've been up to. What's the latest? Um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, that's great. It's lovely when you actually maintain your clients. Yeah. Um, so what advice would you give anyone who's looking to get a foothold in the beauty service industry? We've touched on it already, but I think quality of training is is essential. I do get contacted by a lot of young therapists saying, or even people who were thinking about getting into the industry, where did I start? You know, but I think our training from 20 years ago, our start point might be quite different to, to what it could be today. Mm-hmm. I'm fairly sure today you can start with almost like an aesthetics and skin qualification. Whereas when I started, you had you, there was no choice. You had to do the whole beauty thing. Absolutely. 
But bizarrely, I think having done that, because I spent years specializing as a massage therapist, I'd studied sports, vodolymphatic, Ayurvedic, Thai. That's actually given me probably a more rounded view of working in a holistic way, even though I now specialize with the face. There may be someone who's jumping in just with the aesthetics. It, you know, you're, you're coming at two slightly different angles of treating a person. Um I think stay relevant with your training. I think you can, when it comes to skin, you never know everything, you know, and I don't know about you, but I find knowledge kind of seems to fall out of my brain as well. And you need to kind of stick it back in. You go, oh, yeah, I did know this about the dermis, but I've forgotten. As much as everybody would love to jump in at a high reputation point, you, you earn your stripes and your knowledge through doing the years within industry. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, I, I get contacted by a few saying, I want to do what you do. I've been doing this for 20 years. That That's a lot of years to be to be learning your skill and building up the relationships as well. So, yeah, I, if you're passionate about it, I think passion also comes through. When we were younger, beauty therapy, it was almost that course that you you did if you couldn't get on to other college courses. Absolutely. Whereas now it's a viable and desirable, you know, th- thing to be. Yeah, I I agree. It, it, it has changed dramatically. And I think the training that you received and I received is very, very different to what people get trained or how they get trained today. Yeah. I mean, having said that, you've got such a rounded career now with your massage and all the different things that you've done. You, you've talked about your, your different approach. I think your holistic approach, the way you've actually studied things like Ayurveda, um, your journey with with the rituals uh, group. So how do you look at skin care and the treatments that you do today? Do you have a very different approach to that? Is it more holistic? You know, where are you coming from? Because we've talked about technology. Yeah. So which way are you swinging? High tech, low tech? All of it, fundamentally. When I, so you'll appreciate this as well, actually. So one of my first jobs in a salon High Street Ooh. Salon. Um, it was with a particular, you know, because they, they will stock a particular brand that as a therapist you then have to work with. So I'd done all my training. I went along, started working at this this salon. They are, uh, they stocked and worked with a particularly well-known salon skincare range. Okay. I could physically see in treatment skin reacting in an adverse way to this particular brand. And for a young therapist, for me, I was like, I've, I, this is, I'm responsible for this because I'm putting this onto people's skin. That sent me on a journey of looking down organic and natural. I trained as a Dr. Hauschka aesthetician, and that's where I kind of sat with all the holistic and everything else for a number of years. However, as my face started aging and that of my clients started aging, and, you, you know, I could see the limitations in that. So that's where I started then looking into different ingredients, clean formulations, but with results and also technology. So I am very much about, there are certain brands that I I wouldn't choose to to use. I don't like all of the ingredient decks, you know, whereas others, you can still get great results from peels and retinols and vitamin Cs and everything. Combining it with technology, absolutely. And I think if you want results, for me, it is that combined approach. But I will also be asked somebody asking somebody about the stress levels, their lifestyle. So, for example, if someone comes to me with pigmentation, 
I actually need to know what they're eating, what's going on with their hormones, you know, are they on the pill, uh, the stress level, all of those things. So it's not just about me using the products and the technology, you know, because there could be certain things that are fueling that. And that's where this kind of, I call it the 360 approach really comes in with treating someone. Yeah, okay. I, I get that. Um, you, you spoke a bit about clean formulations. Can we talk about that a bit? I mean, what do you look at within formulations? Where, where do you think the market is now with all of that? Because we've been through uh, the whole vegan, or we're going through the whole vegan situation now with skincare. Um, also, microbiome is very of the moment. And in the past, we've looked at all the, um, I know, organic side of things. I have always been much more on the technical side. So I like products that I understand because of the ingredients in them and how they're working, which I never quite do with things like the natural. Yeah. So what is your take on all this? What is your take on the cleanliness of a product? So I think as we are, we're both aware that a treatment range that might be professional that you use in a treatment room is often formulated quite differently to a lot of the high street products. Yeah. For me, I don't want synthetic fragrances generally in there. Um, they're kind of almost key things that might irritate a skin. Parabens, you know, I'm kind of I know it's a, a thing that's been touted for years, and there's some controversy as to whether they're bad for us or actually not, because parabens are available in they, you know, readily available naturally in in nature. Um, but sometimes if a brand has kind of gone to the trouble of formulating without parabens, to me, there might be a different philosophy on what they might use across their whole ingredient deck. Um, I, st I want doing ingredients. I want the retinols. I want the acids and things. Um, but I want them formulated in a way that I feel more comfortable in. There's, there isn't the, yeah, I suppose unnecessary synthetics. Um, we've got another one that it seems to be used in everything is the kind of dimethicone type ingredients, yeah. which there's so many different variants of what that might be. And I think some are really not nice for us, whereas others are actually okay and can work nicely to kind of nurture the skin. But again, it, it's a, you know, I'm not a scientist, I'm not the crazy scientist developing the products, but I can kind of fairly easily tell if a brand is one that I'm going to resonate with and feel comfortable using or recommending um, to one that I will just, I, I just choose not to work with. Mineral oils is another one that I don't particularly um, choose to, to put on, on my yeah, own skin. Or clogging. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, cheap ingredients. Yeah. You know, it's an easy way out as far as I'm concerned. Oh, you're going to have to try my new brand, Omni by Esther. So I know I've given you some, haven't I? Yeah, it's in my, I, you have, not too long ago, Esther. It's in my kind of pile of things that I need to try. When I'm trying products, I want to just try those products, which is why I kind of, everything has their time and place. You know, if I'm, I'm I'm sent a lot to play with and I, I want to see how the results are, which is why I don't necessarily drop them all in together. Uh -huh. So this is why. <laughs> I you should have taken them on holiday. I should have done. <laughs> <laughs> next time. Next time. Next time. Okay. Um, I actually, talking about products, I know that you actually went to look at Biologique Recherche. How did you yeah. find that? So I love it. Um. It's a huge range. It I know. really is. It is. We have it in the clinic. Yeah. Um, I love it. I love it. It's cold formulated. Yes. Yes. 
Um, so all which, treatments are cold? Yes. People don't always get that. No, but actually using kind of cold instead of adding heat, is, you know, isn't a bad thing at all. Um, and I, where you've got cold formulations, there's kind of maintaining the, the integrity of, of the ingredients. You know, a little bit like, you know, if you cook a carrot... If you eat a raw carrot, there's different nutrients as to whether you cook a carrot. So, And I know with skincare, that's often kind of the comparison that if it's been cold formulated, maybe you're maintaining more vitamins and nutrients. But they're not about the retinols and things, are they? Not so much, but they have other things in there. Yeah, yeah. They, they've definitely got actives in yes, there. Yes, very active, all their boosters and yeah. everything else. So no, a really interesting range. That, you know, I like it. It's, mm. it's lovely. I just like to confirm that I'm doing the right thing here. <laughs> Thanks, Abigail. We've covered so much today and there's more to come. Join us for part two of my chat with Abigail, which is coming soon. Remember, subscribe, review, and please tell all your friends to come listen to us. Bye for now. The Beauty Biz with Esther Fieldgrass. Follow EF Medispa on Instagram. And to find out more about us, go to efmedispa.com. Produced by The Podcast Company.